Hi, and welcome to the iPhone Life podcast. I'm Donna Cleveland, Editor-in-Chief at iPhone Life. I'm David Averbach, CEO and publisher. Today, David's going to tell us about his hands-on experiences with his brand new M1X MacBook Pro. Yes, I am excited to tell you all about (laughs) it. I'm excited about my new computer. I've had it for about, oh, about two, three weeks now. So pretty good hands-on period of time. I know a lot of people are just contemplating this purchase right now because it's a high-priced item, but it's been one that a lot of us have been waiting for for years. Yes. So we wanted to talk about it as soon as we possibly could. I'm also going to follow up on my Apple Watch Series 7 experiences. I'm wearing it today, David. You'll be oh, proud wow, of me. I am proud. <laughs> I go in <laughs> Such spurts a good of, fangirl. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I go in spurts of wearing it and not wearing it. But um, yeah, I have some texting experiences that I'm going to report back on. And we, of course, have lots of good um, app and gear and tip coverage as well that we'll be getting into this episode. Uh, We have two sponsors this episode that David's going to tell us about first. Absolutely. So the first sponsor is Fnatic. And Fnatic makes an app called Informant 5. They're longtime sponsor, also a really popular app. So I'm assuming you all have heard of them, but I'm going to tell you about them anyway because I really, really recommend checking them out. Um, especially this time of year where we're getting coming up on New Year's and New Year's resolutions. And I don't know about you, Donna, but one of my New Year's resolutions every year is to get more organized. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and in particular, I'm really bad about calendars. Uh, so this is a great app because we like to say it's the app, it's the calendar app that Apple should have made. And there's a lot of really awesome features that are differentiated from Apple's. Uh, Number one, it's universal. So in other words, if you have a Windows computer or you can just use it across all of your devices, uh, even in addition to just Apple devices. Number two, it combines reminders and calendar into one app. Because there's this awkward thing where you're like, when you're trying to schedule an appointment, do you say, remind me to go to the doctor tomorrow? Or do you say, schedule the doctor tomorrow? Really, it's kind of a blurred line that it should be in one app, uh, especially because some reminders have calendar dates associated with them. Um, So for example, you might have some task that you're managing that has a date associated with it. So this combines into one app, which is a much cleaner interface. Check it out. It's Informant 5 and it's free to try. So that's our first sponsor. Our second sponsor is a company named Jamf, who also has been a longtime sponsor. And Jamf has enterprise software for managing all of your Apple devices. So if you are a small to mid to large size business owner, this is, and you have, your employees have Apple devices. This is the software that you need. It helps you, first of all, set up their devices. You can manage them. If you have custom setups, such as like enterprise apps, or you have anything that you need to set up for your employees on their Mac computers or on their Apple devices, like iPhones, iPads, this is for you. And it helps protect you and them from viruses and things like that. So make sure you check it out with uh, at jamf.com. And I just learned this today. Eight out of the top 10 of the largest companies in the world use it. This is a really robust software that is also affordable for small businesses, but is really great for businesses of all sizes. Awesome. In addition to talking about our two sponsors, I wanted to tell you about our free daily newsletter called iPhone Life's Tip of the Day. This is, you know, as I just said, it's free, which is 
the probably one of the coolest things about it. And we send you a tip every day in your inbox that teaches you something cool you can do with your iPhone. So if you get that sneaky feeling that there's more you could be doing with your Apple devices and you don't really want to invest a lot of time in learning how, this is an awesome solution uh, because it's you know virtually no time commitment and you're learning cool things all the time. So go to iphonelife.com slash daily tips to sign up and give it a try for yourself. So today's tip that I wanted to talk about is one that David and I were both sort of wrestling with this morning to figure <laughs> out, like it seems cool, but we're trying to figure out how we would use it. Use it. So some of you listening, please let us know if you use this feature and uh, how it's useful to you. And this is how to pin shared content and messages with iOS 15. So I love pinning contacts in my messages app, which I'll also tell you how to do. Um, that keeps all of your favorite contacts up top. But this tip is different. This tip lets you pin content that someone sent to you in the messages app. And so it shows up when you then look at that person's little, like if you tap their name at the top and you get like a little overview of them and the content you've shared and that pinned content will show up up top. And it'll also show up in the respective apps. So if it's, it's a, a Safari link, you can find it in Safari at the top of the shared with you section or um, a podcast link or something like that. So the way that you do this is you just long press the Safari URL or uh, podcast link and you will get a little menu that pops up. You tap pin and then you pinned it. That's it. Um, so so the, easy to do. Easy to do. <laughs> and like the same thing uh, holds true if you're trying to pin a contact to the top, you just press and hold on a message thread from that person or it could be a group and then you you can tap pin from there and it'll pin your contact to the top. So it's a similar like press and hold and you might have a pin option for certain things. <laughs> um, but the thing we wanted to say with this is um, we thought it worked with photos when we wrote our daily tip. I couldn't get it to work with photos and neither could David. Yeah, this is true. Um, but we could get it to work with Safari links, but we were just wanted to chat quickly about like why you would want to use this tip and um, hear from you too if you're trying this at home. And I do want to take a step back and talk about shared with you in general mm, in case you call. guys aren't familiar with it. Um, iOS 15 has been out for a while, so probably a lot of you have experimented with it, but it is new with iOS 15. It's this new functionality called shared with you that works across Apple's ecosystem. And basically how it works is if somebody texts you a link, and especially this is especially useful if they text you, let's say a podcast recommendation, a TV show recommendation, et cetera, et cetera, it'll show up in certain apps. So if they text you a link, it will show up when you open up Safari, there's now a shared with you section. If they text you a, a show recommendation, it'll actually show up on your Apple TV, which is cool. Uh, and if they text you podcasts, it'll show up in your podcast app. So basically Apple is, they're using AI, so it's like, it's still private, but they are parsing through your text messages, conversations to find links and then displaying them in the relevant apps. It's a cool functionality, but this the first part of the problem for this tip is that I have found I haven't actually used it that much. It's one of those things that seems cool, but in day-to-day -day life, I haven't actually used it that much. Have you? So this is when I actually, I didn't know about it. I discovered it just this morning. Oh, you didn't know about shared with you at all? Oh, no, shared with you. Oh, I thought you meant the pinning. Okay, no, no, no. 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 Shared, you, with you, you. shared with you. I like it in the photos app. Okay. So in the photos app, um, I use the for you tab a lot because 
it does things also like serves up memory movies that yeah. you know and also which you get, like now right which I, just, I do I want like the now. record to reflect that Donna <laughs> laughed at me and judged me for years and with a straight face tells you all that she goes to her regularly <laughs> it's true it, <laughs> um I officially, yeah, do you like converted. memory movies? I, and uh, uh, <laughs> I like forgot what I was talking I'm about. Sorry for flustering uh, you, but this is a big moment for me. Yeah, it is. I feel like David just like for months, every episode was like, but have you heard of memory movies? <laughs> and every time, John was like, that's cheesy. I know. I was like, <laughs> you're such a stepdad, David. <laughs> anyway, um, so. There's also photo suggestions, effect suggestions in there that I like. Um, and so now there's also the shared with you section. And I get a lot of photos now from, it is a nice thing, like family stuff, like with yeah. memory movies. And also with this, I get lots of photos of my niece and nephew. And now they just, instead of having to like manually add them to the photos at myself, they just show up there when my sister sends them to me. And there's something really nice about that. I do like that. But here's, I think, what's weird about it. It doesn't actually make it to your albums. Like yeah, so that's what's actually weird. It get downloaded to your photos. It only lives in this weird amorphous shared with you in your For You tab. And so it doesn't feel like it's actually my photo. Yeah. Unless I go download it. So I always end up to go download it if I care to keep it. Yeah, so the way that it works is... Um you still, when you get photos texted to you, you still have to tap, there's a little download icon now with iOS 15. And it's nice because if you get like 10 photos sent to you, which my sister will do a lot, I can just tap that button and it'll download the whole bundle of them mm -hmm. into the photos app and they'll be in my photo library. If you don't do that, they will show up in for you. And from there you can choose to save them to your photo library but they're not automatically doing that. Um, you can also, if you have contacts who are sending you stuff and you don't want it popping up in your photos app, you can on a ba like person by person basis, like press and hold and uh, I think it's like hide and shared with you or something like that, that you can tap. So you do have some control. So it's not just like anyone can be, you know, showing up in your photos app or Safari app, but um, in general, I haven't found that to be an issue and I've liked the feature more than I thought I would. Okay. So that's like my little, yeah, that's what, how I feel about shared with you. I was expecting to hate it and I actually like it. In Safari, I don't really use it. Which is probably why you're struggling with this tip. Because yeah. in Safari, I, I could see myself using it sometimes. But in general, somebody texts me a link. I either open it right away or not at all. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I think some of it is that I don't really use my Safari start page that much. That's where shared with you shows yeah. up. Um, and it's something you have manual control over. You could choose to not have shared with you show up on your start page. Like for me, I've got my bookmarks. Then I've got my shared with you. Then I have like frequently visited sites or something like that. Um, and so I will see links there that people send to me if I go to the start page. But usually when I open Safari, I have like a specific mission I'm on. And I'm not just like the photos app is more somewhere you can like go peruse. Yeah. Safari, for the most part, I know where I'm going and I'm not like... I don't know. I just don't use it. No, I agree. It's like, that's exactly it, I think, is that if somebody texts you a link, it's like, it requires an action in a way that texting you a photo is passive. Yeah. Like if they send you a link, they want you to open that link and proceed accordingly. And so it's like, ha no, having a section that's like shared with you, usually if somebody texts me, I'm acting on that right away. And same thing, like you're saying, if I'm opening up Safari, I'm usually doing it with a purpose in mind mm -hmm. and not just sort of browsing. But so back to the, to the daily <laughs> tip of the, that I was just talking about pinning the shared content. 
Um, now, I only discovered it this morning, so I can't really speak to yet whether or not it's useful, but I can see myself potentially in group messages where there's a lot of links being thrown around that it might be nice to um, pin the ones that I like the most. Like, for instance, an article I want to read but don't have time to until later or a song that I don't have a time to listen to until later. Like me and my friends send each other playlists and songs. I checked. It works with Spotify. Oh, wow. So really? you could pin a Spotify link um, that, for podcasts, music, Apple News articles. It works for all those things. So I could see like usually when you go to the information pane of a group of a message thread, whether it's a group or an individual there, you'll see everything that's been exchanged. But if it's one that's been going on for years, like that's a lot of stuff. And so it might be nice to have that pinned section of just like the best stuff you actually care about. Yeah. Another, I could see sometimes people will send me like, I, I am, com I'm warming to this too. I'm thinking <laughs> of cases. Sometimes people will send me like restaurant recommendations for an upcoming trip or something. And that's one where I may want to save it. Um, so I could see yeah. some uses for pinning. Okay. Honestly, I think the, the thing that I like the best about this tip is it, it also, it's like a little bit of a flex cause it's kind of hidden and most people don't know how to use it. So it yeah. is something that I feel like I could show my friends and they'll be like, wait, how'd you do that? That looks cool. I didn't know about it. And, and so that's for, a fun one. And to, to come all the way back around <laughs> to iPhone life tip of the day, these are my favorite type of tips on the tip of the day. The ones yeah. that aren't obvious, that are something cool you can do that you didn't know you could do. Mm -hmm. That's sort of what we try to we try to bring you. So if you are not subscribed to iPhone life tip of the day, check it out. And I'd love to, I'd be curious to make this the question of the week is, are you guys using shared with you? Are you liking shared with you? And are there use cases for it that we haven't thought of? And yeah. that's podcast at iPhoneLife.com. Send us an email. We'd love to hear from you. Next, I want to tell you about our premium subscription, which is called iPhone Life Insider. And so we have a really amazing subscription that allows you to join live classes. Uh, we have in-depth guides with printable PDFs and a series of videos. We have uh, the ad-free version of this podcast, a digital subscription to iPhone Life magazine, and access to our experts who you can ask any of your tech problems to and they'll help you find solutions. So you get all of these things when you sign up at iphonelife.com slash podcast discount. You get 10% off for being a podcast listener. And um, so those are all the features we have, but really the reason you would want to subscribe is if you have Apple devices like an iPhone, iPad, Apple Watch, or um, Mac, we cover Mac now too. And you just want to get more out of it. It still doesn't need to be a big time commitment because we have video versions of the daily tip. So you can just watch a quick video uh, whenever you feel like it. That will teach you something cool you can do with one of your devices. Or if you're just getting a new device or really want to focus in on, I want to get the most out of my iPad, for instance. We have courses and we have video guides that can really take you from start to finish and make sure that you um, have your device set up right, that you have it customized the way you want, and that you know all the cool things it can do. And so um, we can really help you build confidence and save time using your devices. So go to iphonelife.com slash podcast discount and join our insider family. We've got over 10,000 subscribers now. Happy subscribers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, so um, we have an insider question that was recently sent in that I wanted to share with all of you um, because it kind of ties into a longtime complaint that we've had about iPads. And that is we have um, an insider who recently bought one of the 12.9 iPad Pros and really wants to set up two accounts for him and his wife 
to be able to share this iPad Pro, yeah. which seems pretty reasonable. On your huh. Mac, you can do that. You can you can sign in with different users and you have total, uh, like your own computer basically um, with privacy and all of your accounts set up the way you want. With the iPad, you can't do that. And so our, we're gonna have to disappoint this insider and let them know that you can't set up multiple uh, users on your iPad, but we can solve for the main issue that this insider had is that they want to be able to check their email and their wife wants to be able to check their email on this on the same iPad and you can do that. Um, and here's how. So you can only set up one Apple ID with each iOS device or your iPad and your iPhone. Um, but with certain things like the mail app or iMessage or there are some different Apple services, you can have more than one account set up in those apps. In general, we don't recommend like going too crazy with this because it might be end up being confusing for you. But with mail, it's pretty simple. Like you can just go in and add as many different email accounts as you want. Um, the only downside is if you know this couple, for instance, didn't what doesn't necessarily want like to be sharing their email accounts with each other entirely because there's one if you have it set it up and you don't have different users you could check the email of your spouse yeah um, and it's just annoying to have to do it within one app like it's, yeah you're it's a little clunky have to toggle back and forth you could accidentally like send an email from the wrong account it's a little bit clunky yeah because there will be like when you have multiple accounts set up in the mail app, there'll still be a default account where you're sending and receiving mail from. Yeah. So yeah, if you're not that default account, you might be sending emails from your spouse's email address and then it all gets convoluted. So like, again, it, the kind of the answer is a bit of a bummer that really Apple just needs to add multiple user support on the iPad. I don't know that they ever will though. They, um, <laughs> it feels particularly inexcusable because this person bought an iPad Pro. I like know. This, it's like cost the same as a Mac. Replacement, basically. And computers need, yeah, they're expensive. They're supposed to be computer replacements and you can only have them be connected to one person. So, and it's like, there's so many apps connected to this Apple ID, for example, Text messages, you can only send text messages from one account. Um, you know, mail, you can kind of pull it off, but it's tricky. To get to the mail question, I would, another solution is having one person use a third-party mail app. If it's if you have a Gmail account, I actually really like Gmail's account. That's probably the best way to do it. It's a little less clunky. Outlook is a decent, is a decent app as well, so you can use Microsoft mm -hmm. Outlook. Um, so that would be a way around it. But really, unfortunately, it's a little bit of a complaint as well as a learning because it's, um, it, for those who aren't familiar with this, we have a special section for Insider, which <laughs> is uh, at the end of each episode, we have bonus content. And then often it's a complaint in learning. So Don and I talk about this stuff. Uh, and yeah, Apple really needs to get it together and allow multiple accounts, at least for the iPad. I mean, I think they should even do it for the iPhone at this point, but yeah. that gets a little more complicated. I can see that. Because the iPad, like everyone for the most part needs their own iPhone. I mean, maybe that's a controversial statement, <laughs> but for the most part, like most people, once you're an adult, at least you would have your own smartphone. Yes. Um, whereas an iPad is a great kind of like shared family device, I think a lot of times. So having multiple users is more of like a, a request we hear a lot totally. from uh, readers. But just to wrap this up, where you do go to set up your different mail accounts is you go into the settings app, then you go to mail. And from there, there'll be a section called accounts. Tap that and you can tap add account. And there's like, 
an easy setup for most of the main mail providers like Gmail, Yahoo, etc. Um, and so, yeah, we hope that this helps you. Uh, this insider who wrote in at least to know your options. I think David's suggestion to go ahead and like use the third party apps from those email providers is probably better that way you and your wife could like log into your separate apps and see your mail there and not have them all show up in one mail app where it could get like kind of mixed mm -hmm. together. Um, okay. Let's get into our MacBook Pro and Apple Watch Series 7 discussion. Let's do it. So starting with the MacBook Pro, you've had your <laughs> MacBook Pro for two to three weeks now? Yes. Okay. I and believe so. Yeah, about, can you about a month. Remind us of like how, you know, which device you got, because there are a few customization yeah, options. absolutely. So it's a good place to start. So I have the 16-inch MacBook Pro, um, and I have the M1X Pro as opposed to the, no, I have the M1X Max chip. So I have the, <laughs> the they named them a little confusing. I have the, yeah. the heavier processor, and I have 64 gigabytes of RAM. Uh, and then two terabytes of storage. So this is a computer that is definitely designed for work. Like it's top of the line uh, notebook. <laughs> yeah, and not not just as, not just the computer itself, but the uh, the specs I did are something that are for somebody who is going to be using this every day for work. Like you do not need those specs if you don't use this every day for work. If you have no interest in doing any video editing, photo editing, things like that, you probably don't need to max it out quite as much as I do. Um, but that is the configuration I have. I think I answered the question. <laughs> yes, and so the M1 Pro is like, it's still the new processor, which is super nice, but there's the M1 Pro and then the M1 Max, mm -hmm. and David got the M1 Max, and they have, like, don't they have the same, um, same processing power, but yours has better graphics processing? That's or? my memory, and I'll have to, yeah. well, I'd have to fact check it, but my memory is the main difference is the GPU, the like, you have more graphic processing power with my computer, and mm -hmm. that was something that um, was important for potential video work at some point, and that's why I went with that, because if I was just doing it for me, then I might have not bothered to max that out. Mm -hmm. Although I will say, and I'd have to go look at the configurations, something I do recommend doing is go upgrading your storage, your RAM. Um, sorry, upgrading your RAM. Yeah, so 64 gigabytes, what were the options again? Um, I'm looking it up right now. Uh, um, it, I think it starts at, um, let me just not speculate here. It yeah. starts at, um, 16 gigabytes. 16, 32, 64. Okay, so you got the a really nice. Yeah, and in my opinion, 16 is sufficient. But, like, in my opinion, RAM is something you should invest in. When you're getting a new computer, and Apple makes it annoying because they make it expensive to get upgrade mm -hmm. your RAM in a way that it's, like, they're probably overcharging you for it. But having, if you're getting a new computer, RAM is one of the things that kind of makes it a little more future proof that'll last longer. And if you, and especially for a computer that's a work computer, RAM I think makes a big difference. So that's why I went with the 64 gigs. And the thing I was coming to was if you go with the, it, the pricing options are such that I'm pretty sure if you go with 64 gigs, it kind of makes sense to just upgrade to the, um, the max chip, but I'm getting a little bit in the weeds here because I'd have to fact check that. Yeah. Um I, for reference, I've got the MacBook Air, that's the M1, that was from 
man, 2022, 2020, I guess. Um, but it has 16 gigabytes of RAM. And just for like word processing and a lot of the work that I'm doing on here, it's totally fine. But um, just that is a good comparison with 64 gigabytes of RAM. Yeah. So David, first talk about just like unboxing your MacBook Pro and what was your first impressions? Um, did, did it look and feel the way you expected it to? Yeah, so let me first, before I um, get into that, let me just say that I do not believe you can have 64 gigabytes of RAM without you, the Max chip. So you, oh. or only the Max chip supports 64 gigabytes of RAM, which is part of why I went with it. Gotcha. Because um, I do like having that extra RAM. Uh, unboxing was what I would say my first experience, because unboxing was just I took it out of the box. <laughs> <laughs> um, migrating computers, Apple has made it so much easier than it used to. Because um, you just set them both up, and you sit them there, and they just do their thing. Uh, I set mine up instead of... Um, doing it from a backup i literally transfer from one device to another and one cool tip is you can actually plug ethernet cables directly from one computer to another and then the transfer is a lot faster so i would recommend that or at least having it plugged into ethernet um now depending on what computer you're going for and even the new computer to actually despite all the new plugs does not have an ethernet cable so um you have to get a dongle for that, despite all these new plugs. But it's probably worth having a dongle for an Ethernet cable because there's times when that can be a lot faster. Um, the main experience I have overall with the kind of hands-on first first impression of it, it's a big computer. Like mm -hmm. Apple sort of has for years now swung the pendulum towards focusing on thinner, lighter, and you know with the dongles, with the keyboard. Uh, with the power of the computer, all of that is, are things that get sacrificed by having a thin light computer. And they swung the other way, where now you have this massive battery, you have all of these ports, you have a new keyboard that is you know, thicker. All of that comes with the cost of the heaviness of the computer. It is a big, heavy it's hefty. computer. It is not, especially if you have 16 inches, it is not very portable. I mean, it's portable, but it's not, mm -hmm. it, it, it's a, it's not something that I would want to carry around with me all day, every day. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Like my MacBook Air, it's like, it's kind of astounding to me that it is as powerful as it is because it's like barely there. It's just so light. Mm -hmm. It's like, I don't hardly feel it in my backpack. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. But um, the, this is like, not, like when, the, when I first saw your MacBook Pro, the display is amazing and that you can tell like it makes it look not dated. But aside from that, it makes it look like an older computer. It really looks an awful lot like a 2015 computer. Like it really, <laughs> really does. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. You're right. They went back to 2015. Like they really did. Um, and like Apple's announcement, they had all these nods to like original Macs. It's like they, they're aware of it. Like they were like bringing back all the ports that we wanted. <laughs> they're bringing back MagSafe, you know. But I think what's funny about it is that like, I, I think for those who want a pro-line computer, nobody's upset about it. Like, yeah, it's a little bit like I want people to think my computer looks cool and whatever, <laughs> but they went back to all the things that I wanted. I love the new MagSafe, which is, of course, the same as the old MagSafe, but I love having <laughs> the ability to, like, charge with a magnetic charging port. Um, it just kind of snaps on, so you like it, or what's good about it? Yeah, it's that it snaps on, and it also 
it's scary with a when you ha when you're charging because if anybody trips over that cable, it can pull a very expensive computer to the ground and break it. Where the, with MagSafe, if you trip over it, the cable disconnects and the computer does not fall. So there's right. a, there's a real safety concern there too. But it also is just convenient. Um, as Donna alluded to, the screen, I've been like I was pleasantly surprised by how much I like the new screen. It is really noticeably better in my opinion. Uh, it's a really beautiful display. The keyboard too is noticeably better in my opinion. Like the typing just feels better. Do you think it's um, the display, do you think the main improvement is because of the high refresh rate? I think it's a combination. No, I think the micro LED is, is really nice. I think it, that it, probably that is even more noticeable because it's like the contrast, everything just, is displayed really crisp. It looks very crisp. It looks kind of um, more like matte than my display. Do you know what I mean? Like there's something about it that looks kind of like more natural yeah, or something? Yeah, it's, it's similar. And again, this is not an OLED display. This is micro LED, but it's a similar experience to when I got my iPhone and it was an OLED display. And everything feels more natural. It's like if you're reading text, it feels closer to reading text on a piece of paper. Yeah, it does. Totally. And then once you've gone to that, then looking at displays that are worse, like you get spoiled really you quickly spoiled. and you notice it when you're on an older device. Yeah. Um, but the, yeah, one thing that Apple talked about in the announcement, well, you know, Apple execs talked about during the announcement was that um, the refresh rate is, it like varies depending on what you're looking at. Cause if uh -huh. you have high refresh rate all the time, it would hurt your battery life. Yeah. But um, that that makes your graphics a lot like more smooth and buttery. Have you noticed that? Absolutely. It's everything is so fluid, just like scrolling. When you scroll, there's something, and it's one of those things where it's, it doesn't feel like a big deal. Nobody buys a computer for fluid scrolling, mm -hmm. but you scroll a hundred times a day and feeling having a computer feel responsive, feel fluid, it, it does matter and it, it does make a difference in your experience as well as your efficiency, to be honest. Like the, the speed with which I'm switching between apps and I'm processing, I'm using kind of high processing power s software, it makes a big difference. And I do think in addition to the powerful computer, the high refresh rate matters. It, everything feels so smooth. Um, What's better about the keyboard? The keyboard, they switched from, uh, and actually I'm not sure what the, what, what one you have, but I was using one that had what they were calling the butterfly keys. Which like everyone hates, right? Everyone hates it. And that was like a fl Apple flop. They, it's, it's the mechanism underneath the key. They made it a lot thinner, which allowed them to make the computer thinner. But when you typed, you did not have, A, you didn't have the same responsiveness. Like you couldn't feel the pressure of pushing down, which again, doesn't seem like it'd be a big deal. But when you're typing and you're trying to type quickly, Having that responsiveness allows you to type faster and not make mistakes. B, the butterfly switches actually were prone to error and they would break over time. So it was a pretty big flop for Apple. Like Apple, if, I don't know if they explicitly acknowledged it, but they implicitly acknowledged it by making a big deal when they moved away from it. Yeah, they're like, the keyboard is back. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that was something that really I hated on my last computer. And mm -hmm. so having just a keyboard that, actually has mechanical keys that are responsive is really nice. Um, I think one of the interesting things, actually before, before I get into that, uh, the last thing I'll comment on is the battery life, um, mm. which- I've been wanting to hear about overall, that. Overall, okay. It's tricky because for me, I would say the battery life's been amazing. Like with, I'm, with my previous computer, pretty much any time I wasn't using it, I tried to make sure I was charging it. Mm. With this computer, it, 
I, I feel like I have to charge it like once a week. Like I'll just put it down and I'll, and I won't think about it. And one of the things I've noticed, and I don't know, it's sometimes it's hard to tell what's software and what's hardware, but it feels like there's almost no battery leak when I'm not using my computer. One of the main things that was frustrating to me with my previous computer was I would, I would close it, it would be put to sleep, and then I'd go to open it the next day and the battery would be dead. And it's not like, it's a different thing than just battery life while using a computer, but it meant that I was constantly having to charge it. Whereas here, it happened to me actually over Thanksgiving break where I was trying to stay off my computer. So I had it closed for a number of days. I opened it and I was like 99% battery, which was amazing. That is amazing. Yeah, I... um. I have a really great battery life with my MacBook Air too, but like definitely not like once a week charging. Yeah. I mean, you know, the thing with this is that I, I rarely put that to the test because um, I it's it's a computer that's almost always on the desk, so I usually plug it in. Yeah, and we're plugging it into an external monitor and with USB-C that'll charge it too. Yeah, like, exactly. So, yeah. Um, and then the other thing that surprised me being noticeably better was the speakers. It's got a lot of power. The speakers have a lot of I was going to say, those speakers are big. Yeah, they're big and they're loud and they have a much, they actually <clears throat> have a better sound quality than most computer speakers I, mm -hmm. I, I would have. That being said, I want to back up for the battery because um, I got the computer and then our CTO, Raf, got it at the same time. And he actually has been frustrated by the battery life. Really? And there's been a two, couple reasons why. Number one is he has, he's someone who always has a lot, a lot of tabs open. Mm, like hundreds, yeah. Hundreds of tabs. And so that's something that pretty much the lesson there is no matter how good your computer is, that will drain your battery. So if you're somebody who has like a lot of tabs, you just have to live, accept that world. Uh, the other thing that can hurt- Or use tab groups. Yeah, um, yeah, but you still have to have them like closed. Yeah. Um, the other thing that can be frustrating with battery is that- most, I've actually been pleasantly surprised what percentage of software I'm using is native for the new M1 chip, M1 and M1X chip, but there's a few notable exceptions like Dropbox, which is not native to the M1 chip, and Apple is actually using Rosetta to translate it. I know I'm getting a little technical here, but the point being software that is not native to the M1 chip can drain your battery really quickly. So if you're using that software, it is something to keep in mind. Um, okay. That is most of my hands-on experience. But I think the last thing I want to say about it is the thing that I think, one of the things I think Apple did a really good job with this computer is the fact that they didn't make it for everyone. In past years, we talked about it. And when you were choosing between the Air and the Pro, it was almost like how much money do you want to spend? Because the Air and the Pro were almost the same weight. And my memory is actually that at one point the Pro was actually weighed less than the Air, which was really silly. Um, and now I don't, I think that the MacBook Air is a great computer for arguably most people. Mm -hmm. It's more portable. It, the processing power is perfectly good. Like if you're just doing light work slash, you know, using it for your personal life, it's a really excellent computer that is cheaper and more portable. And because they didn't try to be all things to all people, it allowed them to make the MacBook Pro really, really powerful in a way that if you use it every day for work, it's probably worth splurging on. So I, I want to A, emphasize how much I love this computer and how great the screen is, how fast the processor is, but B, 
say that it's not for everybody. And that I think that going with a MacBook Air is a perfectly good decision if you are not wanting the power of the computer. Because it is comes at a trade-off. It's bulky and it's heavy and it's expensive. It's expensive. I mean, that's the biggest. Yeah, the biggest thing is expensive. One thing we didn't talk about is the webcam because Apple's been holding off on this a long time and mm-hmm. actually getting a 1080p webcam. Yeah. And so that's something you also get with the MacBook Pro that I don't have with oh, the MacBook Air. Okay. Um, that's the M1 MacBook Air. And so, and, and like I do notice it for FaceTime or Zoom calls or whatever, it's like the camera's not very good. Have you noticed that like it's definitely feels better? Yeah, it's definitely noticeably better. Uh, yeah, it's it's a lot better. It's a the webcam I find is a little bit weird. The, there's something about the filter of it. It it almost feels like, or the way it's set up, it almost feels like there's like a filter on it or something. Like everything's a little bit like soft focus <laughs> in a way that kind of irks me a little bit. Um, but it's a very it's like a nice high quality webcam that does look a lot nicer. Uh, the other uh, last thing I, that I f- forgot to mention is the notch because <laughs> that's notch. one of the things. I will say it doesn't bother me at all. Um, in part because one of those things you don't think about on a computer is that top little bar section, it does not, it, it's not very used real estate. Like you have a bar up top that's your nav bar, and so it doesn't bother me. It, if you have a lot, a lot of kind of third-party software running that has a little shortcuts in the top right corner, you can get into trouble because it gets too close to it. And I actually don't know what happens if you overlap it. I haven't tried. Um, but for the most part, I think all it means is extra screen real estate for yeah, me. Yeah, like which this I, is like edge to edge, basically. It looks so yeah, nice. Yeah, exactly. And I do like the, like every once in a while, if you're using a party that, uh, a software that is not compatible with the new computer, it'll artificially add the bezel that most computers have. And so it'll remove the notch and move everything down. And it makes me appreciate how much extra screen real estate having that notch adds to my experience, if that makes sense. Yeah. So if you're a hater of the notch on your iPhone 10 or later, you might also be bothered by this, but I wasn't one of those people. Like I like obviously having no notch would be even nicer, but it's not that big of a deal. I and say, it's ni- It's worth it to have the edge-to-edge display and then have a little section for the notch. I would say I. it's more annoying than the notch on the iPhone, if I'm being honest. And mm-hmm. in part, it's because with the computer, you have a mouse. So you have this weird thing where if you're bringing your mouse across the screen and you go to the notch, the notch actually covers the mouse. So you could oh, literally weird. hide the mouse behind the notch. Which is just a weird UX that I don't, it's a weird user experience. I don't know why they did it that way. They probably should just like not let you go that. Yeah, they should make you, I think it's because you can go faster if you have it. It's a a little bit weirder than the notch on the iPhone, which at this point, I think all of us don't even notice anymore because we're so used to it. It's (laughs) like you notice it, it's there and it's a weird thing to have a mouse that can go behind a little black box on your screen. So it's a yeah. little weird, but overall it's a trade-off that's very worth it because you have no bezel and it's edge to edge or close to it. That makes sense. Yeah, I feel I still even hearing this whole review, like I don't feel like I like need one. Yeah. But it's also just seems like a, a really amazing nice device. It, and yeah. if I was doing something that had like more video editing for instance, I think I would really want one. If you're 
buying a computer now that you're going to use for your primary work computer, it's probably worth doing. It's just sort of, it, it Apple makes you ask the question of portability versus power mm-hmm. and, you know, <laughs> how much you want to spend. But I think those are the right questions that, I think Apple f- has now framed the conversation correctly because it's given you options for depending on what trade-off you want to accept because there's always going to be trade-offs. It's very satisfying too that Apple now finally has the pro line with the latest processors because just... <laughs> it's been a strange thing now where it's like only kind of the lower end devices have the nice new like Apple made processors. Yeah, so totally. it's like now we've got the full lineup and you can make like you have better options across the board, I think. Yeah. Um, my one hot take and then I want to hear about your Apple Watch. Okay. I know I'm in the minority on this, so please don't send me angry emails. But my <laughs> one hot take is I personally do not care about all the new ports. Don't care. Ah. I would have been perfectly happy to just have USB-C. Like, I never use HDMI. I never use the SD slot. I just don't care. Um, And I know I'm in the (laughs) minority with that. So I understand why they did it. I'm not complaining that they did it. But my hands-on experience is especially, it is weird. I talked about earlier, they don't have an Ethernet jack. It was the one thing I would have wanted. (laughs) They don't have it. Yeah, I mean, to me, like the Ethernet jack would have been really nice to have on it, but it is, you do get to avoid having as many like dongles and uh, like docking stations and stuff, right? Yeah, you do. And in part, it's, it's like... It's my own use case is that I just happen to not use, like I don't use SD cards, I don't use HDMI, so I don't happen to be a good a person who, that needs that as much. Mm. Um, and also though, it it's one of those tricky things when you move backwards. It's like, yeah, they gave me back my my little docks, but um, I already have all the dongles. They're all set up when I dock my computer. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, fine. So yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think I'm in the minority. So I don't think Apple made the wrong decision for adding them. But for me, I don't know how much of the the like size of the computers so that they could have the docks. But if it is any, I would have rather it have be a little slimmer and just have USB-C. <laughs> but I think that's me. All right, tell me about your cool. Apple Watch. All right, so I've had my Apple Watch Series 7 for over a month now. Um, and I wanted to talk today about texting okay. on my Apple Watch Series 7. Um, just for a recap, the things that are new with Apple Watch Series 7 is that it has fast charging. So it comes with a fast charging puck now and it can uh, charge your Apple Watch in about like one and a half hours as opposed to three to four hours. Mm-hmm. And so that's a really big breakthrough if you're wanting to do things like sleep tracking on your Apple Watch because you could chart you can charge it up to 50 percent in like a half hour so you could just charge your apple watch while you shower in the morning and then you know charge it again for a half hour at at night before bed before putting it on again that i actually haven't used that much because i don't use it for sleep tracking although i have been having sleep issues lately so i probably should do that that actually is not a bad (laughs) idea and that would also be good just something to like test out and report back on but actually, one of the things that I really bought the Apple Watch Series 7 for is because I was um, I was intrigued by the full screen keyboard. They've made it now so that the um, there's less of a bezel around the Apple Watch display. So it's closer to being edge to edge. So they're now able to fit a full screen keyboard on there. Mm-hmm. And you use swipe to text mm-hmm. um, for it. And so I've been test- texting testing that out a bit. I actually am planning on for the next couple days only texting on my Apple Watch. So next episode, I'll report back on like how that goes. Cause you know, I've messed around with it some, but it's a different thing if you're really like 
fully buying in to communicating on your Apple Watch, and I'm curious if that'll be frustrating or not. It's a very brave experiment. Yeah, really <laughs> Thank you. I feel so brave. Here. Yeah. <laughs> so much courage here. So, so courageous. <laughs> uh, but I have been really curious to find out how that keyboard does because yeah. I really enjoy getting text messages on my Apple Watch so that I don't have to take my phone out, but there's times when I do want to just send a quick response, and if it feels like a keyboard would be nice. Yeah, so the, it's actually pretty awesome. Okay. The other thing I really like about this is that I I switched from the Series 4 to the 7, so I had not yet had the always-on display. Mm -hmm. And I also really like that because there is something about when your uh, display just completely turns off when you turn your wrist. It just makes it... It doesn't feel like a watch. It's weird. It just feels like... Uh, computer that's dead on your wrist yeah <laughs> and for everybody else who sees you it looks like a dead computer on your yeah. wrist yeah and so this just it, yeah it makes it feel a lot i don't know i like it a lot better there's also a, i find a, a lot of times where i want to glance at my watch and it's at an angle where it would have been off like there's the turning on of the apple watch is like you kind of have to do this big dramatic like yeah flip of your wrist you find yourself doing all these like weird things to and try sometimes to get it, it to won't work. work and so you're like sitting there yeah flipping your wrist over <laughs> and over whereas like a lot of times i'm just trying to see the time i actually especially if i'm in, like in a conversation with somebody people for some reason, think it's really rude when you like to have this big dramatic stare at your wrist. Thing. Yeah, it signals like that you're not enjoying the conversation you're in or whatever. But sometimes I need to know the time. And so mm -hmm. having that always on, actually, I, I agree, I found made a big difference. Yeah, so I like that a lot. Um, and then the texting, so I just wanted to quickly chat about yeah. that. So with the texting, they it's still, it's like a tiny keyboard, I'll show you. That's my concern. It's like I want to be able to use the keyboard, but a keyboard on an Apple Watch is so small. So now it's like you have a lot of different ways. There are a lot of different ways to type now. You can do, you can still dictate text messages, which is mm -hmm. probably, I still think, the best way. Mm -hmm. um, then there's the uh, or I can't remember what it's called. Something that like where you like write out each letter, which I hate. And I'm yeah. just going to say like, don't do. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree. It's like so time consuming. And if it gets the letter wrong, you have to like delete it and do it again. And it's, it takes forever. Yeah. And then there are canned responses, which I think is it's worth. You can go into the watch app on your iPhone and customize what those are, which I think is for sure worth doing. Cause it's like nice to just shoot off a quick response to things. I'm always surprised how often I can get away with canned responses. If I'm honest, do you do customized ones or do you? I I don't so the only thing I customize which I do recommend doing it's this weird emoji conversation we've had where like the one like a lot of them are like okay and I'll put I, I added a smiley face so I was like okay and like an emoji it helps it helped so I did a otherwise few it little, can come off as like really curt that's yeah. why I usually don't do the auto yeah. responses because I'm like worried about you know seeming rude I haven't done it very much but I've done a few tweaks Cool. So yeah, you can do those. One thing on your Apple Watch too, and this is not a new thing, but that you, it's nice that you can do message reactions. So if you like press and hold on a text, you oh, can yeah. thumbs up it or heart it. And that's something like you maybe didn't know you could do on your Apple Watch. But anyway, back to the keyboard. It's still very small. I don't use swipe to text on my iPhone very much. So there's a learning curve doing it here. Like mm -hmm. if it's something I'd been doing a bunch on my iPhone, then I'd probably be better at it because it's one of those, it is one of those things that you like, it's a skill, just like typing on your iPhone is too, and you know? You, like weirdly, I find that I weirdly have to remember to do it. Mm -hmm. I, I got really into it when I broke my wrist and I could only type with one hand. <laughs> that <laughs> so makes I sense. Got, I got pretty used to it. Um, but I'd have to like remind myself to do it when I started. Otherwise, I'd be sitting there trying to make it work with a broken wrist. So, so did you get good at it? 
I did, but I, I went back. I, yeah. I, I ultimately found, I think we talked about this in a past episode, but I ultimately found that even though I got used to it, the the error rate was enough where it wasn't worth it. The time saved by swiping instead of typing ended up being spent and then some on fixing the mistakes of swiping. Right. Gotcha. So the thing that's nice about this, I actually think with a smaller keyboard, swipe text is easier to use instead of trying to swipe like all the way across a big iPhone screen, like swiping on this small space is easy. And you just couldn't type like you have to swipe. You can't be like sitting you there cannot. typing each letter. It doesn't work. Yeah. So you have to use swipe text. But the things that are nice about it, little touches on it is that um, when you use the backspace, if you swiped a word and didn't get in, you know, it wasn't interpreted correctly, it'll just delete the whole word. It won't go like letter by letter. So then you yeah. just swipe the same word again. So that's something that like saves you some time. And then too, if you like are swiping and you notice that there was a mistake a couple words back, um, if you go and like tap on that word, it's like a little blue box will show up around that word and you can just go like switch out that whole word instead of like trying to place your cursor and then like deleting letter by letter. And so they've, I just, the main point is that like, it's pretty thoughtfully done. Yeah. Um, and it makes it somewhat easy to do. Um, I was kind of switching back and forth between doing swipe text and then dictating messages. Um, and it's pretty easy to switch. Like now when you go into the texting field to do that, um, the only thing that's a downside of dictating versus using this on-screen keyboard now is that, you can't edit a dictated message. Okay, yeah, you were saying that. And that's annoying because it's like you're saying, it's like if Siri is not perfect, if it gets it wrong, you're sort of like, yeah. and I've definitely been there, especially in like in my, if I'm in the car driving, sometimes I'll just send a message I know is wrong because I'm just like, I don't want to go change, try to get it right again after this really long message I just sent. Yeah, it's a weird thing. Like, so if you dictate it, it'll, um, it will... If you say like, especially if you use hands-free Siri to do it, it'll, the message will pop up and just say, okay, like going to send. And there's a button on there that you can say, don't send. But it's, it's like a little vague, like how much time you have before it's actually sent. Mm -hmm. And if you unsend, if you say don't send, you have to like dictate the whole thing all over again. Like there's not just the option to go in and edit it. So I, what I want to do is get more used to the swipe texting because then you can be more precise um, and it just would be kind of cool if I could like get good enough at it, that it, that it's a really great way to communicate. Yeah. So, so far I would say, I think for such a small keyboard, it's well done. Uh, the question is whether or not it really can compete with texting on your iPhone. And I will have to get back to you on that. Yeah. Um, it's a, Donna's being very courageous. So report back <laughs> and let us know. <laughs> okay. I will. Um, now, you know, we already have our question of the week, so I guess we can leave it at that. Uh, I am curious if anyone, though, has been using their Apple Watch Series 7 for texting. So you can also email us about that if you want to yes. at podcast at iphonelife.com. Thank you so much for tuning in uh, and hearing all about David's new MacBook Pro adventures and my Apple Watch Series 7 adventures. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with another episode before the holidays and if you're an insider stick around we've got some great bonus content for you today yes and if you missed last episode and you're in the shopping phase for the holidays go check it out we did a buyer's guide special episode last time where we talked about lots of things like headphones and speakers and cases and all that good stuff yes all right bye bye <laughs>